0: Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from the selfish desires that war within you. You want things, but you do not have them. So you are ready to kill and are jealous of other people. But you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight. You do not get what you want because you do not ask God. Or, when you ask, you do not receive, because the reason you ask is wrong. You want things so you can use them for your own pleasures. So you are not loyal to God. You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes God's enemy. Do you think the scripture means nothing that says the spirit that God made to live in us wants us for himself alone? But God gives us even more grace, as the scripture says God is against the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you. You sinners, clean sin out of your lives. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, make your thinking pure. Be sad, cry, and weep. Change your laughter into crying and your joy into sadness. Humble yourself in the Lord's presence, and He will honor you. Have
1: pulpit, we'll preach. Good morning, everybody. We welcome you online here in the room, West Falls Church. We are the ones who chose not to run the Marine Corps Marathon this year. We are the ones. We are the ones that did it, and that awesome? Thank you. Thank you for not doing that this year and being here uh, with us. For those of you watching online, um, if you'll grab a Bible or maybe an app that's on your phone, because we're going to go through line by line uh, these really important verses. Actually, these verses are uh, the essence of Christianity. It's the heart of the entire book of James. You want to understand what James is really all about in those 10 verses you know, this is at West Falls Church. We encourage you to do the same. If you don't have your Bible with you or you don't have your smartphone with you, an app, you can flag down Craig or Rhonda and they can come and bring you a bulletin because it's on the back of the bulletin. Same here this morning. Um, And if you're a guest with us here today, we're a church for people who don't go to church. So at West Falls Church and here in Arlington, the same over to the right, the back right of the auditorium, we do something right after uh, this service is over. It takes less than five minutes, and we explain what it means to be a church for people who don't go to church. We'd love to meet you there. Okay, these verses are the essence of Christianity. It's what Christianity is all about. It's the characteristics of a hero. That's why the title of the message today is New Heroes. Right, this, is, this is about hero-making. Jesus is in a hero-making business. And we're going to look at, some of the, look at a, the main characteristic of a hero uh, this morning. This is written to seasoned churchgoers. We've been saying this, the book of James is, but they lost their way. They just kind of lost their way. And so he's been saying a lot of very important things to them, but here he's going to really bring them back to the one essential thing about being a follower of Christ. What is the basic doctrine all about? This is what he does in these, in these verses. It's quite fascinating. If you're a Non churchgoer, so we have a lot of people here at Grace who watch online or in the room or at West Falls Church, and self you self classify as not being a church person. You're like, well, I'm just here and want to like to. What is this thing all about? Well, here you go. You picked the perfect Sunday to be here because here is the essence of Christianity that James. Gives us, and it will be challenging. Like we walk out of here today, and we read these verses from James, and say, "Oh, okay, great, feel I feel good, I feel good." It's kind of like if you go to the gym and you walk out and say, "Oh yeah, I feel good." I mean, you maybe feel that sometimes, but if you feel good every time you walk out of the gym, you got a problem. You need to go to a new gym, do something different. At the gym this past week, the trainer screamed at everybody, "If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you." Okay, well at some point, these verses here should be really, really challenging to us. This is what James is bringing to it. If, we, if they don't, then maybe we're not getting something that is here. Okay, here we go. We're going to go just line by line. So verse number one, do you know where fights and arguments come from? So he's asking a question. Where really do fights and arguments, where do wars come from? Where, does, where do communities break down? Nations break down? Families break down? Where does all the injustice and racism come from? Where does it all come from? Okay, line two. They come from the selfish desires that war within you. There's a war, he says, right at the beginning. There's a war going on. It's a battle inside of us. And what's the battle about? It's between selflessness and selfishness. So here we go. It's as simple as that. There's a war because of that. Verse two. You want things, but you do not have them. So you are ready to kill and are jealous of other people. Now, they weren't literally killing. We don't have any information that in these churches that that was going on. But James is doing, like I've said before, he draws on the teachings of Jesus Christ more than any other writer in the New Testament. And you might remember from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about, you know, you, you have anger, but then all of a sudden he just leaps towards murder, right? Or that you talk bad about somebody and it's like a curse coming down. So he's using that same idea. Where does it start? Where does murder start? Well, it starts with anger. So literally they weren't doing this, but he's using the same idea that Jesus is from the Sermon on the Mount. You still cannot get what you want. So you argue and you fight. You do not get what you want because you do not ask God. So there's a problem. They're not asking God. But then sometimes they do. Verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because the reason you ask is wrong. And then here it is. Ready? You want things so you can use them for your own pleasures. This word is really important because it's the heart of what's being said. We've already talked about selfishness. He already introduced us to that word selfishness. Now he talks about pleasures here. What is pleasures here? This word means this and is really important. It's essential to this. Pleasure. To please yourself regardless of others. I'm going to say it again. To please yourself. Not wrong with pleasing yourself. Nothing wrong with pleasure Nothing wrong with feeling good. Nothing, nothing, nothing wrong. But to please yourself without thought or regard for anybody else. Or if, if I please myself, if I advantage myself, whatever, to the disadvantage or the disregard of somebody else, this is what he is speaking of here. The idea of selflessness and selfishness. Well, you know, it's, do, it's really good for me. But what my actions or my words or whatever, all the things we've talked about in James, it's hurting you. Ah, whatever, that's your problem. This is the heart. The breakdown of community is me wanting to please myself regardless of its impact upon you. The heart of Christianity. Or you could go on the opposite side. You want to please God, regardless of the impact that it has upon yourself. So you know what, God? I want to do what is in keeping with your will. I want to do your will. And even if it impacts me in a negative way, I'm going to choose your way, the high road, the Christ way, right? The selfless way. I'm going to do that because I want your best. Now, that's the essence of Jesus Christ, isn't it? He left heaven. wasn't to his advantage, (laughs) He came and walked this earth, wasn't to his advantage. He dealt with all the, wasn't to his advantage. He got up on that, wasn't to his advantage. We call it Good Friday, not because it was good for him, because it was good for us. So he disadvantages himself for us. It's the essence of Christianity, selflessness, selfishness. So this battle that's going on here. Matter of fact, Romans 15 says, Jesus Christ did not please himself. So here's the war. Here's the battle. Here's what it all boils down to, selfishness and selflessness. It's the essence of Christianity. It's what it's all about. It's the most important doctrine that James brings us back to here. I'm going to tell you a story this might make some people upset. I'm not trying to make you upset. I just want to relate a story to you, and it deals with selfishness and selflessness. Possibly you can take with it whatever you want. Many years ago, I asked uh, for a group of people to get together, two specific groups of people. Uh, We had a gathering for uh, single women and single men separately. Single women, single men. So uh, my first meeting that night was with the single women. Room was just filled. There was Excitement in the room, right? I was there just to listen, and then I was going to ask some questions. I had a bunch of questions, and just see how the conversation went, and then I would ask other questions. Somewhere along the night in this room packed with single women, the, the issue of marriage came up. And so when it, when it did, I, I just simply asked. I said, well, just innocently asked, do any of you in this, any of you, uh, the, in this room, would, when you want to be married, not a hand went up, not a yes. And it was so quiet, crickets, I just said, Oh, none of you uh, youngs, and they were all between 25 and 40 in that room, none of you want to get married. Finally, one, um, she was in her late 20s, she just kind of sheepishly raised her hand and said, Oh, you, yes, she said, Well, yeah, I'd yes, I would, yes. I would like to one day be married. Okay, good. And we had a great conversation. It lasted about an hour and a half, that whole meeting. So then I went to the next meeting, and it was a room filled with single men, right? And we had a great conversation. It was, it was awesome. It was about all the relationships that guys have with girls and the, the issue of, I didn't put the warning signs out, so I'll, I'll, I will uh, guard my language here just a little bit. But, you know, it, it got into physical intimacy stuff and all this kind of stuff like this. So Somewhere along the conversation, this is what struck me. This is what I remember so clear from that night. I I, I, I said, uh, the issue of marriage came up, and I said, well, guys, I just want you to know that, you know, you know I had this meeting, and I just asked if any want to be married, and they all said no, right? Okay, now here's where it happened. In unison, on beat, in perfect harmony with each other, 100% of the guys in the room said what? They're lying they're li- it was like the Vienna Boys Choir. They're lying. Just. I mean, clear as a bell wasn't like, we think they're lying. No, no, boom, we're, they're lying. Well, what is it? They want to be married. They want, they, they want one man to be fully, fully committed for the rest of to give themself, himself to her always. They want that. They're lying. I mean, it got kind of emotional. Why? That's what they want. Well, that's not what they said. We don't care what they said. We know what they want. We know the reality. That's what they want. I'm just sound this. I'm toning. I'm toning things down for you. Okay. This is an emotional. Okay. All right. You ready? So the thought hit me, because the physical intimacy thing had already come up. I said, "Is it a selfless act or a selfish act? Then to become physically intimate." With a woman that you have no intention whatsoever of marrying, because you are—you don't care. I mean, consenting adults. Well, we don't care about consenting. You would already know. I mean, you're the Vienna Boys Choir. You already said it. So we'll quiet in the room now. You—you you already said it. You already know. You already know the desire because you all said it. You're 100% in this room. Would that be a selfish or a selfless act then? Because you already know what she really truly desires—that then you would become physically intimate. With a woman, when she really desires, your entire life, commit it completely to her. It's just a thought. Just a thought. You know, maybe there's a different way. Uh, Half of our church is singles. uh, Here's here's the challenge. What doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. Here's just a okay, all right. Maybe there's a better way to do... De- maybe rather than we look, go around walking around the world looking for what we can get, maybe we walk around as a single person looking for what we can give. And if, you know, women really want to be married and you're a single guy, maybe you're saying, you know, I'm, like, I'm going to be selfless, I'm going to be Christ-like. Well, then I'm going to... Maybe, I don't know. You know, there's some single moms that would like a father for their child. Maybe that's kind of Christ-like to say, you know what? You want a husband and you want a father for your child. I'm gonna... I don't know if... Well, there you go. I just thought there should be a challenging piece to the message. <clears throat> and he says, you need to pray more, all right? Uh, but you kind of, you need to check your motives. You know, someone said, I don't know who said this, but this is a great saying. The purpose of prayer is not to get a person's will done in heaven. It's to get God's will done on earth. That's a, I thought that was a great way to say that. Verse 4. So, you are not loyal to God. You should know... Other translations use the word adultery, which they totally understood. We don't like Who are you calling an adulterer? But they understood it because his whole audience was Jewish. And they understood their relationship with God as a covenant, just like a marriage. And he's, say, he's basically saying, you're playing for two teams here. All right. You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. And anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes God's enemy. Do you think the Scripture means nothing that says the Spirit that God made to live in us wants us for Himself? That's really almost smacks of marriage there, right? What's being said here and what's been said constantly through these first four chapters of James is there's two ways to live. There's two teams to play for. Two teams two teams, to play for. And you have to choose one. And they say, you're picking both sides. You should play for just one side. You can't, you can't like go back and forth and change jerseys all the time. There's two different teams. This is why he talks about the double-minded the double-minded, the double-tongued double from last week, the double-booked this week, the double-teamed, so to speak. These two ideas, there's two minds, there's two tongues, there's two teams. Pick a side, choose a team. One team, he says, here's the world's team, or even talks about the devil. You're seeing him talk about the devil. We don't like to talk about the devil, but here's what sin is. Here's what the devil is, right? It's the untamed tongue. It's injustice, it's discrimination. It's selfish ambition. It's bitter envy. It's destructive pleasures. It is, in a word, selfishness. He's wrapping it all up for us. He's loading this passage with everything. Or it's playing for the other team. The other team is about selflessness. There's the one word that epitomizes Jesus Christ. And the essence of Jesus Christ is selflessness. It's about patience and justice and mercy. It's grace. There's two teams. Gods or Satan's. Heaven or hell's. This world or his world. Tutor, this is what he keeps saying with this double thing and these two teams constantly here. Pick a team, choose a side. This is what he's saying. You can't act like oh I'm, I'm all into Jesus. Remember this is about mature faith people. Remember we we're, we're all together with that about people. Yeah, strong faith, all about Jesus. Let's go into the Bible. Okay, if you're doing that, then you have to act like you're really playing playing for that team. Okay how is this going to happen? How can somebody, because here's the battle. He admits it to us. This is a huge war inside of us. Look, if I didn't know I was a selfish person when I got married, I really found out I was a selfish person. Do you know what I'm saying? No, nobody knows what I'm saying. I re- you know, there is a war going on inside of me. I am shocked every day at my selfishness. And so there's this huge war. This says, how in the world are you going to win this war? He's getting ready to tell us by saying there's more grace in verse number six, more grace. How is this going to happen? More gra- There's a famous verse. I love it. It's in Zechariah chapter four. It's famous verse. Not by might. Anybody know it? Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, Okay, we got some church people in this room. But by my spirit says the Lord. It's a great verse. There's a verse that follows it that I actually love. It's one of my favorite verses in all the Scripture. It says, who do you think you are, mountain? Mountain means there's a problem. A mountain is a problem. Who do you think you are? And it says that mountain is going to be leveled. In other words, the problem is going to go away. It's going to be leveled. How? With shouts of, what do you think? Grace. There's power and grace. Well, my community group ends every single Wednesday night. We all put our hands in the middle like a team, and I say grace on three. One, two, three, break grace. That's what we do. Why? Because we shouts of grace. Because every guy in that group knows one thing. We need God's help <laughs> desperately. We need God's power, and it comes by the power of God's grace. So we shout. We shout grace. That's how you're going to get it. All right, let's move. Verse 6. But God gives us even more grace, as the Scripture says. God is against the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So give yourselves completely to God. You'll look in some translations. It says, so submit yourselves completely. Matter of fact, if some of your Bibles does this. The heading for this whole section is those who are submitted to God. We don't really like the word submitted, but those who are submitted to God. And he's telling us what it means to be a submitted to God kind of person. Give so so give or submit yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil run from you. Are you interested in the devil running from you? You know, look, I've, I've been in a lot of different church settings throughout my life. I've been in settings where people are like rebuking the devil, get out, devil, you know. It was so funny. I was in a prayer meeting one night. My father-in-law was there, and he's just, he's, he was just hilarious. He was just kind of say it like it was. And there was somebody in that meeting that night was like rebuking the devil, casting the devil out. And we walked out the doors of that prayer meeting that night. He says, my gosh, did you hear the back door slam when that person started rebuking the Like that devil just went running and slammed the door behind him. All right, how do, you really, how do you make the devil flee? Do you do it by saying, hey, devil, get out? Actually, no. Actually, here you go. Here it is. He tells us. The person who is selfless, the the submitted person is the selfless person. And the selfless person causes the devil because the devil is selfish. That's the essence of the devil. The selfless person causes the devil to run. You want to make the devil run for your life? Be a selfless person. He's really straight up about that. That's cool. Uh, Verse 8, come near to God and God is going to come near to you. You sinners, clean sin out of your lives. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, make your thinking pure. Think pure. Think pure. How do you get God to come near you? How you get? Out? When I was in Bible college, I had a buddy of mine, and he was hilarious because there was no filter on him. You ever been around people like that? Just Everything just came out, just came out, came out. And there was a missionary who came and spoke from India, and he was talking about serving people, serving people who were dying. Right? People who were really sick and dying. And my buddy said soon after the service, I want to go to India. I want to hold dying people in my arms so I can come back and preach with the anointing. The anointing means God's presence is on you. Now, here's fascinating. We think about this. Most people I know say, Yeah, I really want the presence of God on my life. I want God to be near me. And so my buddy, with all of his unfilteredness, was actually speaking something that was completely biblical and from the heart. What was he saying? I want to go and selflessly serve. I want to give up all the advantages of being here in the United States of America and all the comforts that I have of my home. And I want to go and selflessly serve people in very difficult, difficult, difficult situations out of love because if I do, God will be all over me. That's how you get God's presence on your life. So there's two teams. He's saying don't play for the devil's side. Stand against this team. How do you make a stand? You make a stand by being selfless. How do you stand against the devil? Hell. How do you stand against everything opposed to God? Is you are selfless. You are submitted to God. The essence of sin, if you want to write this down, the essence of sin is selfishness. What is sin? Don't call me a sinner. Okay. All right. I won't call you a sinner. I won't call myself a sinner, but here we go. The essence of sin is selfishness. That's the very, very essence of what sin is. You want a, you want a theology of sin? The theology of sin is its selfishness. What's the essence of Christ? Selflessness, selflessness. George MacDonald wrote these words. The one principle of hell is I am my own. I am my own. I am my own king. I am the center of my life. My pleasure is my pleasure. My right is what I desire for me. Tom Howard, some of you recognize his name, Elizabeth Elliot. Tom Howard is Elizabeth Elliot's brother. Tom Howard said there are two ways to live, my life for me or my life for yours. How do you think Jesus Christ lived? My life for me or my life for yours? Hell says I will sacrifice you for me. Heaven says, I will sacrifice me for you. There are two opposite ways to live, and this is all that James is talking about here. Christianity is based on this. I'm willing to disadvantage myself for the advantage of you. That's Jesus. He disadvantaged himself for the advantage of us. It's the essence of Christianity. It's a battle. It's a war. There's two ways to live. There's two teams to play for. James says, stop playing for both sides. Submit yourself fully to Jesus Christ. Be selfless, and the devil will run from you. Final uh, verses here. Verse 9. Be sad and cry and weep. Why? I mean, come on. We have to be that depressed. Be sad and cry and weep. Change your laughter into crying and your joy. That never made a bit of sense to me. Change your laughter into crying and your joy into sadness. Why? We got a bunch of long-faced followers of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely ridiculous. What he's saying to them is, is change, be sad and cry and weep. He's saying those are words that Jewish people would have understood to say you need to repent of this. I mean, you're walking around saying you're a follower of Christ, but you're really, really selfish, and you're arguing. I mean, they must have had great church meetings. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anybody ever been at a church meeting? Don't raise your hand where, like, all kinds of just foolishness broke out and people were selfish and arguing. Okay, well, this is their meeting. This is what they do. It's purely selfish. Maybe some of you have those kind of meetings at work. I don't know. Change your laughter into crying. Why? Why do I have to? T- why? Is your- Laughter's good. It's medicine to the soul. What he's saying? Laughter here, and Jesus talks about it himself, is a careless laughter. It's like, ah, Whatever. I know other people are hurting because of my actions and my words, but whatever. That's their problem. I don't want to. I, you know, I, I knew this gentleman, uh, significantly older than me, very much a Bible person. Like, he'd tell you chapter and verse for everything. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he is a churched, 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 churched person. There's no doubt about the fact. He's a church person, and everybody around him knows it. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Okay. Everybody knows it. And um, when his son was growing up, this guy, a very successful, very successful businessman, um, but he put a lot of time into work. And the son felt bad because he never had time for his son. And now his son is a grown man, and I know this guy. And the son is hurting over it. And the son talked to me about it one day. And the father, knowing that the son probably talked about it, actually confronted me. He said, did he talk to you about that? I said, well, yeah, and he did. And I said, you know, you should really reach out to him. He says, no. He said, that's his problem, not mine. That's what this verse is talking about. So he's ca- careless about the pain of other people. He doesn't really care. He doesn't care that his actions cause that pain. He says, ah, whatever. Whatever. Does it matter? Okay, that's his problem. It's not my problem. The selfless ones here in Scripture... Are the submitted? You want to know how to be submitted to God? The selfless ones are the submitted ones. Heroes. Let's go back to heroes, and then we'll finish this out. Heroes are humble, and the humble are selfless. Isn't that true? Well, I want you to think about heroes for a minute. Heroes are humble, and humble are selfless. The Christ-like are courageous. Christ-like people are courageous people and courageous people are Christ-like people. If you know somebody who's courageous and humble, even if they don't call themselves a follower of Christ, they're acting Christ-like. There are many people in this world who are humble and selfless and they're acting Christ-like and they know nothing of Jesus Christ. And that's the reality. And this is what James is saying right here. I've spent the entire uh, week, this week, reading about heroes, all kinds of heroes. Lots of different heroes, and they have clearly one thing, one thing clearly in common amongst all of them. They are selfless. I've read about war heroes this past week who ran into enemy fire at the disregard of their own lives in order to save other people. That's Christ like. That's humble. That's selfless. Right? Medal of Honor winners. This is what they do. And we're like, oh my gosh, we are so inspired by their selfless act. How about a soldier? I've read about all kinds of soldiers this past week who were heroes who jumped on a grenade and died to save the other soldiers around them. My goodness, that is a selfless act. This is what soldier, this is what hero stuff is made of. Las Vegas. We read about stories in Las Vegas about other people who put their own lives at right? disadvantage. They put their own lives in jeopardy in order to protect That's Christ-likeness. That's self. Heroes have one thing in common. They're very Christ-liked in their actions. They are selfless. And it's their humbleness that allows them to do that. Because to be humble in Scripture means you're not focused on your self. This is the stuff of heroes. I read about I've read about her before, but I read more about it this past week because I wanted to refresh my... Malala. Anybody remember Malala, the Pakistani teenage girl who spoke up on behalf of young girls, teenage girls in Pakistan that weren't getting an education? And when her own life was at risk because they were going to kill her, she would... She could have said, well, that's it. (laughs) I'm not going to do something. She said, I'm going to keep speaking. For the advantage of who? For the advantage of others. Vanessa. So, please, if you like to write things down back of the bulletin, this is really important. The meek aren't weak. The meek aren't weak. I, but I need you to tell you this. They probably feel like they're weak. I'm pretty sure they feel like they're weak. The meek aren't weak. The humble, the meek aren't weak. But they sure do probably feel that way. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. These are wonderful verses. He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. So he's telling you he's weak but he's trying to delight himself in the weakness. I delight myself in what? Insults and hardships. Who would do that? And persecutions and difficulties. Why? Why would you do that? He's, he's, he's not a person who's just loving to beat up on himself and make himself feel bad. This is not why he's saying that. It's not why he's writing it. He writes it because of what you read at the end. When I'm weak, I'm strong. When I act like Christ, when I do what Christ did, when I'm selfless, when I'm humble, when I'm heroic, when I'm courageous, I'm thinking about the strength that it's bringing to other people. Aren't we, are we inspired by heroes? We're inspired by heroes. We're inspired by their acts. We are bolstered by what they have done. But they probably don't feel that way. They disadvantage themselves. And when they disadvantage themselves, they probably feel very weak. But those around them feel tremendous strength and inspiration. Mother Teresa if you've read much about Mother Teresa, then what you realize is that Mother Teresa felt very much a part of her life that she was really weak. You know, she's just she's she, she's trying, but she didn't feel like. Argh. I mean, she went through tough times, and she talks about all these tough times that when she, matter of fact, not just tough times, everybody where she felt weak. She went through times, long periods of time. She says, "I felt really, really far, far from God." Isn't that fascinating? And yet everybody around her felt inspired. And they felt very close to God. Isn't that amazing? The meek aren't weak, but they probably feel that way. I- I need to, this is why I'm telling you this. God wants to make heroes. Jesus is in the hero making business. And if you're like, oh, yeah, I just want to, you know, I want to, like, glow all the time. You know, I want to feel good because that's how I'm, I'm going to change the world for Jesus. Jesus. What you'll probably feel is you'll probably feel weak. But people around you will be glowing. They'll be moved. They'll be inspired. Your Mother Teresa stepped foot on a plane one time. The entire plane got up and gave her a standing ovation. The captain gets out of the cockpit, takes off his hat, and walks down the aisle making a collection for Mother Teresa for her Christian mission in India. Why? Because people that got around her felt really close to God and they felt really, really inspired. She didn't feel that way, but they did because she was selfless and because of that selfless. That's why we call it Good Friday. Jesus was so selfless. Who's a hero? Jesus is in the hero making business to change the world. How does that happen? It happens through selflessness. Medal of Honor winners. I read a lot about Medal of Honor winners this past week. I watched videos this past. You know what? Some of them say they'll say this. We say, "Oh my gosh, that was incredible! Hang the medal. We applaud this man. That inspired me." You know what they say? It was the worst day of my life. What do you mean it's the worst day of your life? Everybody else is like, "Whoa! We can't believe you did that. This is incredible! Let's have a parade for you." It's the worst day of my life. The meek aren't weak. They're very strong but they probably feel weak. Let's talk about Moses and we'll end with this. Moses was very, very strong. When he was very, very strong in himself, he was very, very weak. But after spending 40 years on the backside of the desert and learning humility and becoming meek, then he became truly strong, even though he did not feel that way. And because of his meekness, you know, the Bible says he's the meekest person to ever live. He's the most humble person to ever live. Think about this. Think, think. Let's think about heroes and cowards for a second. Moses faces down the most evil, most powerful force on the face of the earth. His name was Pharaoh, and he was holding people captive. He was holding people in slavery. How could he do that? What caused him to do that? His humility, his meekness. If he was a coward, what do cowards do? What do cowards do? I'm not, I'm not going to get in poop. Can we not talk about it? Why? Because it's going to affect me. It's going to cause me a problem. So a coward is somebody who's like really, really self-focused. Humble people aren't people who think little about themselves. They just think about themselves less, right? And so we see Moses is able to face down Pharaoh against all odds. Why? Because of his humility. We will never step up and be a hero. You'll never find a hero who is somebody who is selfish because they they can't do that. Cowards. Cowards are selfish, Humble people are selfless people, right? They think less of themselves. They think not that they're bad or anything. They just think about themselves. They're not self-focused. They have self-confidence. They just don't have self-focus. They don't have self-focus. They'll run through a hail of bullets. They'll jump on grenades, right? And when we hear about that and we see that, it inspires us. John F. Kennedy is considered one of the greatest American presidents as far as speech-giving. His speech, if you'll read about communicators, which I tend to do from time to time, who are the greatest communicators, and of American presence, he's at the top. And what is his most famous speech? I'm going to give you one word. Let's see if you know his second word. Ask. Exactly. What was that about? That wasn't about serving me. That was about looking out and serving others. It's very heroic, and it's very inspiring. It's very very selfless. So in conclusion, I want to encourage you with two things about heroes. To be a hero two things I want to say about heroes. Number one, they look out. They look out. They consider the world around them. In the book of James, they were no longer looking out. They were just looking in. Their heads were down. They were like, here, my world, as long as everything's good in my little bubble, I'm really, really happy. What we did yesterday is, uh, it was a beautiful day yesterday, and my daughter's home from college. She's on college break, and so we decided to go on a hike up in the mountains of Maryland yes and what you do when you're hiking is is when you go up and down the mountains there's all these rocks and there's roots and stuff like this you keep your head down right you keep your head down Well, what happens when you keep your head down you miss things like when you're supposed to turn (laughs) and we we added two and a half miles to our hike yesterday I didn't think we were ever gonna get off this mountain it was terrible Because we had our head down, we had to to look up And this is what James is saying, saying, look up, look around you That's what heroes do, they look, they see what's going on around them Right, when you hear somebody yell, look out Right, they're concerned about something On the golf course, what do we yell? For, why? I don't want you to get hit in the head with a golf ball, right? If you didn't care, you'd say, whatever, man. I don't even like the guy anyway. I hope it hits him in the head, right? But, but, but when you care, when you're selfless, you say, look, this is what heroes do. You look out. You care for other people. You look out and you see the needs and you help with it. You look out, you do that. You look out and you help a person, even a person that frustrates you. You look out and you pray for people. You even pray and for and forgive your enemy according to jesus now i don't know how you get much more selfless than that you look out and you listen to somebody else's point of view even when you don't like it you look out and you bite your tongue when you want to say things that maybe aren't christ-like you look out and you consider your words and deeds and how they might affect somebody else you look out heroes are on the lookout They're head up they look out because they consider the world second thing is they jump in that's really clear. Heroes jump in. They just don't talk about other people's needs. They just don't see it. Oh, I see the need. Have a great day. James already talked about it in chapter 2. Oh, yeah, you have a bet. Ba- okay, good. I hope life is well with you. Continue on. No, they get involved. They jump in. The Bible says this. I search for somebody who would stand in the gap. What is God saying in those verses? I search for, some, I search for a hero who would jump in. Will anybody jump in? Because heroes jump in, they see a grenade, they jump on it. Can you imagine doing that? They see, they jump on it. They see a person under fire, they cover them with their body. Whoa! Do you know people actually do this stuff? It's amazing. It's incredibly selfless. It's incredibly. Christ-like? Are you looking out and are you jumping in? Okay, I'm going to make a very interesting transition now because it's Volunteer Sunday, and I've just talked about jumping on grenades and Mother Teresa uh, and Las Vegas and stuff, and by the way, we need you to jump on a team, right? So maybe they're on different levels, (laughs) but I want to say this. Uh, You know, uh, we want to build a culture here at Grace that's a the essence of Christianity. We want to be a part of a hero. Matter of fact, you know, we made the announcement this morning, right? We're do, we're doing superhero training, right, for our kids, right? We want to build a hero-making culture that's about selflessness, and so we invite you to give some of that portion of your selflessness to help us create that culture here. Because Jesus, listen, this is really clear. Jesus, in his opinion, the first time he uses the word church, he says, I will build my church. So in his opinion, the way to make the impact on the world is to create a community that has the essence of Christianity of selflessness. And this is what we want to do. And we feel like we can do an even better job at it if we have more people that jump on the team. So here in Arlington... We need about 70 more team members. And in West Falls Church, we need about 30 more team members. And we hope that you'll consider being a part of this hero-making culture here at Grace. Now, some of us, when uh, we walk out of this auditorium today and we see the tables, you know, we might have the tendency to not want to look. Or somebody with you might tell you, no, don't look at that. Don't look at that. I just want to encourage you to be brave. To be brave. To prayerfully consider helping us build a culture here at Grace that is about the essence of Christianity. I know this. I know this for a fact because many of you have talked to me. Many of us here have had bad experiences with churches. And I would imagine those experiences at the root of every single one of them is selfishness. And all we're trying to do is create a culture here of selflessness and we want to ask you to be a part of that. And we consider every single one of our team members here at grace to be a hero because it's heroic about what you do so if you'll just consider uh doing that with us all right we're going to pray and and i'm just going to remind you you know we've talked about some challenging things today i hope it's i hope it's challenged you if it hasn't haven't challenged you then it's Kind of been a waste of time, but hopefully it's been a little bit of challenging uh, to you. And our prayer team is over here; love to pray with you, and both at West Falls Church and here in Arlington at the back right. We'd love to meet you and uh, tell you what a church people church is. Okay, will you pray with me, Heavenly Father? uh, We've talked about the essence of Christianity. We've talked about the essence of Jesus Christ. And though it's not exciting to think about being selfless, boy, it sure is inspiring for people around us, and it sure does advance your glorious cause in this world, and it surely is heroic. God, you are calling and asking, who will stand in the gap? Who will be a hero? Lord, would you touch all of our hearts and help us to win the battle of selfishness inside of us and be selfless Christ-like followers for the glory of your kingdom? In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message.
1: Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9:30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.